Good morning and welcome to episode 55 of the Quickie Podcast. How you doing? Are you doing good? I hope so because I got a good interview alert, a wicked interview alert, sending that out there. Today's guest is Matt Warburton from Vancouver, British Columbia. He's the design director at UBC. He's also the designer and partner of MW Communications and Design, the other partner being his wife. Matt is a huge motorcycle and MotoGP enthusiast. Huge. He also has a massive love for stamp design and stamp collecting. And we talk about that because in 2013, he had the opportunity to merge those two worlds and actually design Canadian motorcycle stamps for Canada Post. Fascinating. We talk about currency design as well, and also the struggles that him and his partner faced in 2008, that recession area, the financial crisis that a lot of people in a number of different industries had to power through and battle through. He shares that story with us. Matt is also a huge supporter of professional trade associations and organizations. Think your GDCs, your RGDs, these groups that are promoting and helping the industry. He's a huge supporter of those, and we talk about that. This was an awesome interview. I ran a little bit over time with it, but I wanted to stick with the great stories that me and Matt got into. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this one. Matt Warburton. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good. Very good. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. No problem. Thanks for the invite. I'm honored. Perfect. Well, you're ready to go then? Very much. All right. Well, <laughs> briefly tell the listeners about yourself. I'm a graphic designer who has been practicing since, well, technically since I graduated in 1983 mm -hmm. um, and uh, had my own firm for a number of years. Got to work with some great uh, design firms like Gottschalk and Ash, uh, Harenko Design Associates, um, and for the, had my own firm, MW, for about 15, 16 years that I still do uh, freelance stuff on the side. Mm -hmm. um, but for the last seven years, I've been out at UBC uh, managing the design team and the brand and marketing unit out there, which is uh, something I never, ever thought I would do, being an in-house designer. But uh, we do some really cool projects, so it's, it's a lot of fun. That's fun. So what year did you start your own agency back? Uh 1997 was when I, I left Harenko. I'd been at Harenko for about seven years at that point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, and my, my, my son was one year old at the time. And I remember thinking, and my daughter was five, four. Yeah. And I remember we thought, okay, if we're ever going to do this, you know, self uh, or this uh, sole proprietor thing, now's the time to do it while the kids are cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before it gets expensive. Before it gets expensive. Yeah. Cool. So did you leave that project with clients in mind, clients lined up, or did you jump out and scrappy startup you had to find your way there? I had a few um, freelance clients. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'd always done sort of freelance work on the side. Um, you know, Ray and Casey at Harenko were, you know, always, you know, super, they were, they were supportive of it. 
um, if any of my freelance projects got big enough, um, uh, I'd, we'd always bring those in through the company, and I would, you know, I'd, they'd uh, pay me a commission and that on it. So, mm-hmm. so we, you know, we actually did end up. There's a few clients we ended up doing work for, like Sim Snowboards and uh, Bear Wetsuits, that started off as small freelance projects for me, um, and then ended up coming through the company. Um, so luckily, I had a few sort of small. Um, uh, comp- uh, freelance projects that I was working on when I left Horenko mm-hmm. and then uh, just, you know, word of mouth, referral, that type of thing. You know, the work just kind of trickled through over the years. Just grow and grow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So knowing that now, I'm excited to get into some of these later questions. Um, I want to take it back even further than that um, to talk about your childhood. And I want to hear... Now, if you feel you had a creative childhood and if there was anything artistic or design focused then um, that sort of pointed you in this career path. Um, yeah, I would yeah, definitely. I mean, my grandfather was an artist and I remember uh, going down to visit them. They were down in Galt, uh, Ontario, mm-hmm. and we're going down to visit them and grandpa showing me how to paint with watercolors and stuff like that. And I always had sort of an artistic uh, bent. I was always really... Uh, really, always a really good drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, I grew up in, I was born in 61, so grew up uh, in the space age, um, you know, watched the first lunar landing. So I remember for a few years there, all I was drawing was uh, Apollo capsules re-entering the atmosphere with the big sort of, <laughs> oh, cool. the big sort of flaming uh, trail of fire coming off them. And I just, yeah, I remember... Yeah, I just for some reason I just remember drawing those over and over and over again. Probably drew my parent parents nuts because they probably found them on every spare piece of scrap paper floating <laughs> around the house. That's cool, but that's a big yeah. moment in history, and to you know, be documenting things like that through your drawing. That's cool. It, it was. I mean, you know, and to know that now it's like fifty years since they landed on the moon. Um, and I remember watching it on TV down at my down at my grandparents. We happened to be down there because it was in the summer. It was in July, and and. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, so, so I was always drawing. Um, I think from a design perspective, I always, I remember noticing logos and being intrigued by them. Um, you know, it was certainly back in the, in the 60s and early 70s, it was, you know, the classic era of, of design in Canada, um, you know, with the metric symbol, the centennial symbol, um, all of those great logos that came out then, as we saw in, uh, in you know, in Greg Durrell's uh, Greg Durrell's Design Canada uh, video last year. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I was seeing. Um, my dad was a stamp collector, and that kind of got me interested in stamp design as well. I, mm-hmm. I remember, remember very well going down to the post post office one day uh, when we were living in Millbrook, Ontario. And going down to the local post office because my dad asked me to go down and buy these new stamps that come out for his collection, and uh, they were there was this gorgeous series on Earth sciences, and they were just so graphic and so just I just was just um, just so uh, overwhelmed by them and thought they were so cool. And turned out they were designed by Gottschalk and Ash, which was a design firm that I ended up working for. Uh, a number of years later when I graduated. So it's kind, <laughs> it kind of cool how I was inspired by something. And then I became a stamp collector as well, too. And yep. Canadian, Canadian stamp design at the time was, you know, very, very um, structured. Uh, they were, you know, you know, very controlling with the typography. But as a result, the designers had to focus on the graphic form of the message on the stamp. And that totally influenced my my views um, not only on stamp design to this very day, but also definitely on, on graphic design and how to interpret information. That's cool. 
So, and you had mentioned that you started seeing logos and started noticing logos when you were younger. Is mm-hmm. there any particular logo that really stood out or that, you know, remember was maybe the first one where a light bulb went off or something? I think definitely the Expo logo in 67. Okay. I mean, I was only six years old at the time, but I remember, uh, you know, we went to Expo. We drove there from, because uh, we lived in Peterborough, Ontario at the time. And, uh, you know, we drove to Montreal. My grandparents came over from England and... Uh, just all the design that was there, the signage, um, the expo train came to came through Peterborough, and um, it was you know just covered in all these graphics and that. So I I would say definitely the the centennial um, branding for 1967 and the expo logo and that stuff, um, and then participation was another one. You know when we were because I was in you know elementary school at the time and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the participation branding was uh, we all got these badges for doing the Canada fitness tests and all that type of stuff. And, yeah. and uh, I, I definitely remember thinking that that's, that's such a cool shape. I don't know what it was, but you don't really sort of think about it that, you know, that deeply at that age, but mm-hmm. I definitely noticed. And there was, there was a system to the design as well too, certainly with participation because there was a different levels um, that you could, you could win. And, uh, yeah, I think I think th- those are probably the f- the main ones that I remember seeing at the time. Mm-hmm. So, would you say then that those were the most influential designs of your life so far because of where they pointed you, or is there something else that would uh, stand out for that? Um, I would say overall stamp design would be the most influential ongoing type of design that I think has influenced me. You know, prior to becoming you know a, you know a proper designer after graduating from from college, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, I've always had an interest in them. Um, I've always collected them, um, not only Canadian stamps, but also British stamps. I mean, the British stamps are just absolutely incredible with their design, So, um, and they still are to this very day. Uh, Canadian stamps, yeah, I'm not so impressed <laughs> anymore. There's, you know, there are still some amazing ones. You know, yeah. there's, uh, you know, some firms out there that are doing some incredible work, but then there's some other ones that are just like, oh my God, the committee should have said no. And I was on the committee for a while, so mm-hmm. I, I know how that process works. But uh, <laughs> there's a few where you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> that, that looks like it was designed by a committee. <laughs> it's interesting you, you point that out about British stamps because we just, in a similar line, or it made me think of this, uh, we recently got back from Ireland and Scotland. And I found myself comparing currencies and really taking, you know, closer what seemed abnormally long looks at currency and paper bills and and the creative, you know, comparing them to the U.S. currency and then the Canadian currency and, and make comparison that way. And yeah. I loved like the pound and the euro. I just loved holding them. I loved looking at them. Well, and there's that that beautiful series of uh, coins that I. I I don't know if they're still in circulation in England or not, but when you've put the, all the, the whole collection of British coins together, they, they, create, a, um, they create an even larger, uh, I think it's the British flag or the, the, the cross of St. The, the shield of St. George or something like that. Oh, wow. So I they, didn't actually, know that. they actually create a pattern. And it's just like, it's such beautiful coin design. And uh, God, I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man here, but you know, then you look at Canadian coin design and it's just like, <laughs> really? Like, what the hell are you trying to do to it? Like, <laughs> I, I get like the coins that came out in 1967 that were designed by Alex Colville. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. Like just so simple, so clean, so memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, ask, ask somebody what, what, the, what the coins were that came out for the 150th anniversary of Canada. 
you, no one will. Nothing. I got nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm sure there was probably about 50 of them because they seem to issue one every week, um, which makes it impossible for a kid to even think about collecting coins if they have <laughs> all this money in their in their coin collection. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to have 50 quarters in my coin collection. I can go buy, you know. Candy or Mad Magazine or something. Yeah. Yep. See, and I've always found with Canadian coin design, I mean, maybe I'm just not looking in the right spots or in the right circles, but I don't know that a new quarter or a new toonie design, or I don't know these things have been launched. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, when I'm out there paying with cash and getting change, the odd time I'll get a quarter with, you know, some red on it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of unique. That's different. Mm-hmm. You know, and the same thing with a toonie. Sometimes it's got a little color on it. And I go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they've over I think they've they've oversaturated mm-hmm. the market. You know, I, I to, you know I'm sure there's a market for it of collectors and that maybe, but I think for the general public, I'm sure they just it's 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 just a blur now. And I know and, and I'm I'm interested in it and I find it a blur. I, I gave up years ago collecting collecting Canadian coins. It's just mm-hmm. it's, there was just no point. I, I couldn't keep track of all the variables and variations. So. So in this world of you know currency and stamp design, is there a designer or um, a studio or a brand or something that you look up to or closely follow? In coin design, I don't know because I don't know um, who who those designs are done by. And mm-hmm. um, but in stamp design um, in Canada, I mean Subplot's doing you know they're doing they're doing some yeah. incredible incredible work. Um, super super creative. Um, you know really really thoughtful. Um, I'm not. I'm not gung ho on the on the goofy shapes. Um, to me, a stamp should look like a stamp, but that's that's just a personal thing. But you know, conceptually and design wise and execution wise, I, th- I think uh, you know Roy and uh, and Matthew are doing doing some incredible stuff. That's cool. And, that's and kudos cool. to them. Um, Paprika is a new is another firm um, out of Montreal that they've finally started doing some stamp designs too. And some some of theirs have been really 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 good. The the ones they did for the Zodiac uh, yeah. signs were were cool. Um, there's some other firms like Q30 out of uh, Toronto. Um, uh, uh, Eskandwaldell is an older firm. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but they used to do some you know, really, really good uh, stamp designs as well, too. But um, yeah, but I'd, I'd say most recently, I'd say uh, uh, Roy and Matthew at Subplot are the guys who are doing some really, really nice work. That's a great one. I have seen some come through, I believe, their Instagram, and it looks really nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next few questions sort of take you down a part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I really want those lessons and stories to be shared with the listeners because there's there's good knowledge and experience to be shared there. Um, but I promise I turn it around and we end on a happy note here. <laughs> so what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Challenging time... Uh... I would say the, two, the recession to 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. that uh, we have always got, I, I work with my wife, Lynn. Um, she does the sort of communications uh, strategy writing side of MW communications and design. Mm-hmm. And uh, our work just, we always get our work word of mouth. We have never done well doing the old RFP thing mm-hmm. and that. And um our work just dried up completely and it was, you know, really, really hard. You know, both the kids were in high school at the time and, mm-hmm. um, but we got through, um, somehow, um, I don't know how, like we had enough, we had enough work sort of trickling through and, you know, just cut down on, 
cut down on expenditures and all and all that kind of stuff. But we managed to make it work. But that that was really really tough. Um, what was the other part of the question? Um, <laughs> no, it was just how did you how did you get through it? <sighs> to this day, I don't know. Like it's not mm-hmm. like we ha- we didn't have a huge buffer built up. Um, we ha- we had enough long term clients that. Uh, we were able to sort of, you know, just just make it work somehow. And uh, it, there certainly was no, I don't remember any new work um, coming coming through the door. But mm-hmm. um, we, okay, I mean, really, we had a really, really uh, good landlord um, at the time. We've always rented in Vancouver. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but we had a really, really good landlord. And he was, you know, if I needed to, if we needed to sort of, uh, you know, um, delay paying rent uh, for the month he was always totally fine with that and I think there was one period where we went about two about two months without without paying rent on the house mm-hmm. um, we were able to pay it back later but you know Victor was a you know, he was a fantastic guy and uh, that, that gave us that flexibility and that comfort zone um, that we were we were able to make it work and then slowly things started to pick up again in, in 2010 um, and then uh, in I, but we were still sort of crawling out of that hole that we yeah. dug. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, you know, we had to get the line of credit at the bank and all that kind of stuff. And uh, 2012, we were st- we were still we were doing okay. Things were definitely picking up. Um, Lynn had got a, a position out at uh, UBC, a contract position out there, doing some comms out there. And then I got a call from a designer who I'd known and respected for about you know my whole time here in in, uh, in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, Arlene Cotter gave me a call. And she was uh, the UC was the design manager at UBC at the time, and uh, she asked if I wanted to come in to do like, a short contract and help them out with some some work that they had. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, "Yeah, sure." And that was seven years ago, and <laughs> still there. <laughs> still there. That's yeah. great. I've heard a lot of stories about that sort of recession era hitting a lot of different industries, and it taking two, three, four years to crawl back out of the damage that was done there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Crazy. And and. It was, it was, yeah, like I said, I, I have never done so many RFPs in my life. And I don't think we were successful with a single one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, you know, disillusioning and, and deflating. It was, it was just brutal. But, you know, the, the clients that we, you know, that we did have that we were still doing work for on an ongoing basis, they, you know, they, they still needed work. Um, there just, there just wasn't as much of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we just, we made it work. So what was the what was the lesson? Do you think in that was it just keep your head down, keep working hard, and it's funny. I I always so, see when I left Harenko and started um, you know started doing my own thing. I think I always had this vision to you know have a, have a larger firm. You know mm-hmm. not, not not massive, but you know like you know five six people working together. Um, you know, getting some younger designers in who I could work with who had skills that that I don't have. You mm-hmm. know. You know, we were just starting to do web stuff back in, you know, late 2000s or early uh, early 2010s. Um, and, you know, I do web design, but I don't do coding or developing or any of that kind of stuff. So it would have been, uh, I thought it would have been nice to have, you know, just people who have different skills that I don't have. Because yep. I've, I've seen a lot of designers who make the mistake of partnering with someone who thinks and exactly like them. Yes. Which I think is a huge mistake. If you're going to partner with somebody you should partner with somebody who can, you know, add add the other half that you don't that you don't have. I think that's Definitely. why my wife and I work. That's why my wife and I work so well together. Is that you know she brings that writing, uh, strategic uh, consulting side to the business. That you know, yeah, I do it, but she does it way way better than than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. 
Mm-hmm. So take us to a design or a specific project that uh, you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Take us to that story. Okay, this, I've got a good one for this. <laughs> uh, especially with, uh, it's, it's a basketball-related story. Excellent. Because uh, you know, given all the hoopla over uh, over uh, the Raptors uh, recently. Um, so it was when we had the Vancouver Grizzlies here in town. I remember. And uh, there was a, a writer here in town, Gord Smith, um, who I knew through uh, Baker Lovick and the agency world and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And Gord, Gord was freelancing at the time as well, too. And we got a project. He got a project. I think it was with Cassette uh, was the agency. And uh, they, we, it, the project was to do a new uh, booklet or a book um, to promote seasons, uh, tickets, season package, season seats to existing uh, Grizzlies fans because mm-hmm. there was all the rumors flying around about how uh, uh, Michael Heisley had just bought the team and uh, he was going to sell the team and move it out of Vancouver. So we were brought in and we were told, you know, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. We have all this new management. We got all these great players. You know, we need to really, you know, con- tell this story that, you know, they're, they're all committed to staying in Vancouver and, and uh, you know, and make sure that the the season's tickets are all sold and all that kind of stuff. So we put together this this book. Be- I was like design wise and writing wise, like Gord uh, did, you know, amazing job with the writing. Um, I was super happy with the design. We got access to all this great photography. Um, mm-hmm. we, we worked with um worked with um, oh god, I can't remember. The, I can't remember the name of the photographer who did the portraits. Uh, I think it was actually I think it might have been Chris Tramick. Can't remember. It might have been Chris Rammick. Um Anyway, we did got to do portraits of Heisley and some of the players and, and some of the coaches and all that, and uh, put together this book. Um, it got sent out, and you know we were really, really happy with it. And and then literally three months later, Heisley sold the team. <sighs> and I was so pissed off. <laughs> it's like you. <laughs> bastards you lied through your teeth to us yeah you knew exactly what you were going to do you had to you had to go through the motions whatever to i guess raise the perceived value of the team you know Mm -hmm. saying hey even in this market we're selling all these seasons tickets and this kind of stuff and i thought you effing bastards you lied through your teeth and 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 i thought you know because you made you made me lie to your audience and that really really pissed me off that I had been used um, in such a way, and uh, to communicate, you know, in a really nice way, yeah, a false message. Yeah, yeah. We thought we were being totally authentic. We thought we were being super passionate and telling this great story, and and um, and it was all a lie. And it's funny. I think that's that's one of the reasons why the only type of work I have never ever done. Um, in my whole entire career, I think I've done two projects in that realm is the real estate world. Yeah. And I feel exactly the same way about that as I do about this, that piece that we did for the Grizzlies is that yeah, you're, you're, you're selling a lie. And certainly having been in Vancouver for as long as I have seeing how, how uh, stuff has been inflated out of reach of, you know, pretty well everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been glad I haven't been part of that world of selling, selling that lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what is the, what's the lesson in that, um, in that process? Because it's not like you could have 
there's no way of knowing that that you were designing and presenting a message based on a false story. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's just sort of do, you know, do the work to the best of your ability with the information you have and just be mm-hmm. honest, just be as honest as you can with the information you have. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we approach all our work anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only ever been one other project where I even got remotely close to it being something like this, and I walked away from it. I won't, I won't say who, but no, it was sure. a project where we got, um, we got quite a ways into it, and we were working with another. There was a couple other partners and people who were involved in the project because that's kind of how I did it with MW. I would always, I would partner with different writers, um, uh, strategists, that type of thing, and we were. Part with this, this, these uh, these uh, strategists and consultants, and uh, I could just I didn't like where it was going, and then the the, the goalpost kept getting changed, and I finally just said, okay, look, I, I'm out, I'm out, I can't I can't work on this anymore. I don't think we're doing the client any, we're not doing them a good, um, doing them any uh, service with this. So mm-hmm. I've, I've just got to walk away. Yeah, you get that feeling in your gut and you got to follow it. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to end up in a situation that you're going to regret. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was one I was, I was definitely glad I walked away from because, yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw the final result and I knew how it had happened and it was just like, yeah. And I knew the client wasn't happy with it. And it's mm-hmm. so funny because I was just talking to somebody from the client just, I guess, in the last, last few months and that. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was telling me, no, we've never been happy with it and we're actually in the process of – here, this is about probably 10 years, it's almost 10 years later now, mm-hmm. but finally getting around to actually get, getting a new brand done. So. Okay, now what would be funny is if it came full circle and you got that new brand and you delivered on your vision <laughs> from 10 years ago. It would be, it would be. stuck. Yeah, yeah, it would be. <laughs> Great. So I want to go to ask you about your career right now. What is something you are struggling with in your design career right now at this moment? Um. It's not really a struggle, but it's it's an it's an adjustment. I would say in that becoming a manager or a you know creative director of a team mm-hmm. is really really hard. I think well for me as a designer because I think you know designers we're we're control freaks. That's yes. what we do. We we organize things. We manage things. We you know we simplify things. And when you have to let go of that to another designer, it's it's a it's a very very different feeling. Um, I'm really really lucky in that out at UBC I've got a, a really good team of designers. Uh, mm-hmm. There's three three of them out there that I work with, plus a photographer and a writer. And we're that that's just the design team out in the brand and marketing unit. We've also got a web development team. We've got a researcher. Uh, we've got a, you know we've got a video guy. We've got social media uh, experts. You know all that kind of stuff. But for the design team itself, um, I'm really really lucky that I've got three designers that I, I trust implicitly. Um, I know they can knock it out of the park and I know that we're all kind of aligned, um, from a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them in particular, um, you know, she just, I feel like she's an extension of me sometimes only like way, way, way better, <laughs> which is, which is great. Cause that's yes. what you want. Like, yeah, that's how I would have done it. Only oh my god, you did it so much better than I ever could have. So which yeah. is which is a great feeling. So that's it's so it's not it's not really. I think I've risen to the challenge of mm-hmm. making that that switch in mindset. Um, 
and, and, I, and I, mean, I still do tons of design. I, I, I kind of take on all the kind of goofy little projects that come through the door, the little ones, uh, the quickie ones. And I've sort of started specializing in doing a lot of the signage stuff at UBC. We, we, we do a lot of that out there. So I've, yeah. I've kind of taken on that stuff but, and allowed my, my designers to kind of take on the more exciting projects with like the web stuff or the, you know, the Android reports, the publications and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So you take on the quickie stuff. I see what you did there. so i'm going to turn this bus around and uh matt i want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing or the biggest maybe it's the biggest design feather in your cap um i've got three if if that's okay (laughs) so so the first one um that i'm super uh, super proud of is uh the one that i worked on when i was at haranko design associates so this Mm -hmm. is back in the mid 90s and this was the identity that we did for vancouver public library and uh this was a project that we got because of my freelance work in part i would say i would say i'll 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 take i'll 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 take some credit for that because I had, uh, again, this is where all the connections and people that you know and, and all that kind of stuff comes into it. Mm-hmm. So a woman who knew uh, the girlfriend of Stuart Ash at Gottschalk and Ash um, had moved to Vancouver and she had gotten involved with the Friends of Vancouver Public Library. Okay. And she contacted me because they needed to do, the, the, the new, this is when the new um, library square was getting built. Mm-hmm. And they, they were putting, the Friends of Vancouver Public Library was putting in a little gift shop in there, and they wanted to come up with a brand for that. So she called me up and said, hey, Stuart recommended you. Um, would you like to come and work with us on this? So uh, we went out there, drank a whole bunch of wine, uh, came up with the name of Bookmark for, this, for the store. I did the branding for that. Then I did the branding for Friends of Vancouver Public Library. So when, they, when VPL um, tendered the identity for the library itself, Part of the work that Haranko showed, of course, we showed the Friends of Vancouver Public Library logo and the Bookmark logo. So kind of a shoe in there. It was kind of a shoe in, yeah. <laughs> and, but it was so cool to get that project um, and to come up with the result that we did. You know, working with Ray and Casey, uh, Angie Opdahl was one of the designers um, at Haranko at the time, and she was involved in it. And um, and it, it's I love I just I, I you know you still see it around town now. You see it in all the libraries and. It's, it's one that has stood the test of time, and I know that they absolutely love it. I know there's been a few uh, new directors that have come in through the library, and they'll sort of say, oh, we should do a new brand, you know, because that's what new directors always do. And mm-hmm. there's this massive outcry from the staff <laughs> saying, don't you dare. You are not touching our little blocks. So that's one that I'm super proud of. Um, the another one um, that I'm really really uh, proud of is the work that I've done for Obsession Bikes over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy James uh, Wilson, uh, we've been riding together since the early '90s, and uh, just being able to work with him on branding his bike shop and helping him, you know, basically bring that to life in a visual manifestation is uh, is you know, he challenges me, he pushes me, he's a pain in the ass sometimes, opinionated as hell. But he, he makes me do better work. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 I love it, you know. And he's you know, he's he's one of my, one of my best advocates as well too. Like he's constantly referring people to say, "No, you got to go talk to Matt. He'll he can help you out with that." Um, and the last project that I'm super proud of is uh, a stamp that came out in 2013 that I did on Canadian motorcycles. Cool. Because I've been a motorcycle fanatic my entire life um, and a stamp collector my entire life. 
so being able to merge those two um, was uh, yeah pretty 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 exciting. I was uh, I was super. I mean, when I was on the Canada Post Stamp Advisory Committee, um, I actually did a research paper on Canadian motorcycles because uh, Canadians send in suggestions for stamps all the time. Okay, and um, it would always be Canadian motorcycles on the list, and people on the committee. Um, would say, oh, there, there weren't any Canadian motorcycles. How, how could we do a stamp on, on on those? And I said, well, I know there was at least Can-Am motorcycles because I had one when I was, you know, uh, so I had a Can-Am 250 TNT. So I know that there was at least one motorcycle brand made in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I I did a bunch of research. Con- there was a couple, couple of guys that I tracked down on the internet who had had a whole massive list. So put together this research paper that showed all the different motorcycles that actually had been produced in Canada. And there was about about 20 of them, not very, not very many quantities, but enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, they were real manufacturers. Um, and then when I came off the committee, I was asked to, um, when you're on the committee, you can't do stamp designs. Okay. When I, when I went off the committee, I was one of the design firms that was asked to submit uh, design concepts. And uh, lo and behold, uh, my design concept got chosen, and then we went through to production. And, uh, and when the stamp was issued, I was actually on the Isle of Man, um, which is this little island in the Irish Sea yep. uh, at the annual TT races, which is uh, where these, these guys race around uh, the Isle of Man on the public roads. Uh, the average lap speed now, I think, is it's over 133 miles an hour. Aver- average. Yeah. On anybody who's been to England or Ireland, you know how narrow those roads are. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a 36-and-a-half-mile course. I think I'll probably, it's, yeah. and um, they're averaging over 133 miles an hour. Anyway, so my dad and I, my dad was 85 at the time. Um, uh, yeah, we uh, we were sitting there in the grandstands at, uh, uh, on the Isle of Man watching the races the day that the stamp came out in Canada. So that was, That's that was cool. That was pretty cool. That's a cool moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've got two last questions here for you. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Oh, this is an easy one for me. GDC. The GDC. Yeah, I've been involved with the GDC ever since I moved to Vancouver. Um, I moved to Vancouver in 1989 Mm -hmm. and uh, started going to GDC events. Um, It's funny because when I lived in Toronto, because I worked in Toronto for about six years um, at Typesetra and then got Shock and Ash and... There was never any real need I found to get involved with the design community there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I you know I knew about events and all that kind of stuff, and there was I just didn't feel a need to be connected to that community. Okay. Um, but when I moved to Vancouver, you know, it was really hard to to get a job here um, in the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, so I started going to GDC events and met some just fantastic people. Um, who I'm, you know, friends with to this very day. Um, you know, Rod and Dave from Ion, Dale Simonson, um, you know, Eve Roussel, like all these, you know, just fantastic people that I've that I've met over the years. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think I got involved. I got joined as a member. So when I started at Haranko, Ray and Casey were, you know, that was it was GDC Central at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey was volunteer chair. Ray was ethics chair. Um, so it was it was unavoidable. Like you would get involved in, in the GDC when you were working at Haranko. Yep. So I got on the executive in '93, and I've been on either the BC chapter executive or the national executive in one way or another ever since. Yeah. That's so a it, great one. 
it's it, it's 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 really good. I mean, it's changing, and you know, like all professional organizations, I think they're you know we're struggling these days. You know, there's so much other stuff out there, and mm-hmm. it's funny for uh, people don't seem to be want as people don't seem to be to want to be connected as much, even though they do want to be connected, and they don't see the value in it, or they think it's too sort of you know lofty and all that, but. Mm-hmm. I've never found that, and I think you know if if you're if you're a graphic designer, if you're if you call yourself a professional graphic designer or a communication designer, then you should be a member of the professional association that supports and advocates for you. So definitely, um, well I, said. I, yeah, well said. Yeah. So uh, Matt, I want to finish with the ask it forward question. So I have a question for you from our previous guest. Um, our previous guest was Jade, and she is from South Coast, uh, New South Wales, in Australia. Mm. So she wanted to ask. TV, podcast, radio, or music? What do you listen to while you are working? Um, it's funny. Uh, it, we can't really listen to anything at UBC because mm-hmm. uh, you would not believe. Like we're in, we're in the Cecil Green Coach House, not Cecil Green Park House, which is the big manor house. Yeah, we're in the Coach House, which is like the former stables. So we're literally chock a block, like cheek to jowl. <laughs> <laughs> it is impossible to have music going and I I hate uh, sitting there with the earbuds on. Yep. Um, I guess just because the work I do with you know, lots of correspondence, lots of writing, reports, um, that kind of stuff, it's hard for me to listen to music. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was working out of home um, for with MW for all of those years, CBC Radio all the time, Radio yep. 1. Talk uh, Radio. Talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just listening to you know Zosky in the early years, and and then uh, Gian Gameshi, and and uh, you know, and whenever I get a chance, whenever I'm working out of home, um, I've, I've always got like I love Tom Power on on Q. Like he's he's he, he's as good as, as Gian Gameshi was, I think, with the interviews and that kind of stuff. So I I just love listening to as as I love uh, uh, Nick uh, Nick Nolden from uh, uh, from BP Media used to be Blanchett Press. He, he calls it the People's Network. <laughs> so I love, I love listening to the People's Network. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but I've, re- I've recently finally, you know, broke down and took out a Spotify uh, membership, and I'm loving Spotify. It's awesome. It is. Uh, I'm just discovering so because now that our kids aren't here, because mm-hmm. our kids, because my, you know, my daughter's in, she was in New York, and now she's in Toronto. My son's in Kelowna. Uh, so we haven't got that stream of all this new music because that was always, you know, road trips, whatever. It was always the kids playing their music, and I, we like you know, Lynn and I just love all of you know hearing discover their discovering new stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, discovering new stuff, and so we were finding we weren't really discovering any new music, but now with Spotify and uh, you know the algorithm, we have to sort of mess with the algorithm a few times. For some reason, it I I must have you know played some stuff or searched for some stuff, and it thought I was into country and. Uh, no No, let's turn this bus around so i had to go back into some of my classic black sabbath and iron maiden and and that to sort of realign the algorithm realign the algorithm (laughs) (laughs) um now you have an opportunity matt to ask a question of our next guest what would you like to ask them oh geez why or why if you're not a member of a professional design association wherever you are Uh um, it sounds like you're interviewing people from around the world Uh um why aren't you a member and what would it take for you to become a member? Great question. Yeah. Great question. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the quickie podcast today. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. Next time you get mail, take a look at the stamp. Take a second and appreciate you know, the effort that went into it. What is the designer trying to get across? It's interesting. There's a lot of different ones out there. Thank you again for your time. Have an awesome day, and we will see you tomorrow morning. Take care.